Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. I don't know if you know this, uh, but we're online, um, not live, so don't worry about saying anything wrong. We can edit it out. We've had to edit out a lot of things I've said, uh, but uh, we are online. Uh, if you are unable to attend on a Sunday morning, um, we have uh, our sermons on uh, Spotify or on uh, iTunes or on our, our website, um, and, I, and I really don't know if you know this or not, but our reach as Wapak Naz, as little old Wapak Naz on the corner of Court and Benton is actually global. <laughs> If you would imagine that, uh, there have been downloads in Czechoslovakia, in Germany, uh, in Canada, across the United States. Um, so I just want to welcome not only those of you in the orange pews, um, but also those of you that are sitting in your cozy chairs or your cars as you're driving along, listening to us from wherever you are. Um, we, we are so glad that you're a part of this Wapak Naz uh, family. Uh, because we firmly believe that family is as close as the person next to you in the pew. But if you're not family, stay, stay away. Um, be in your tribe. We want to make sure that you're in your tribe and you stay healthy. Um, and so uh, with that said, I'd like for you to open up to um, a very obscure passage. Um, this isn't a passage that I've, I've actually, I don't think I've ever preached out of. It's in the book of Zechariah. So it's in the Old Testament. So if you hit the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, take a left. Uh, you're going to pass Malachi, and there's Zechariah. Um, Zechariah chapter 4, it is an obscure passage. Don't worry, we're not going to go into the crazy obscureness of the passage necessarily. But there's a couple things that I want us to focus on for the, the day this morning. Um, we are sitting in our series called Go the Distance. And obviously we've celebrated Kelly and Zadie. Um, and how they have gone the distance. Um, and it was a tough journey. Um, it was a daily march for them. It was a daily march for Kelly. And Kelly even went the distance well before that, where God was calling her and working on her heart right here in this place during these Sunday morning services. And then when she went home and she would read Scripture, God was working in her life. And she stepped into that. And going the distance, we've seen a victory. We've celebrated that victory. And I'm sure that there's going to be more and more celebrations to come. Zadie's going to graduate. She's going to turn 16. She's going to get a driver's license. She's going to graduate. I know, I know. We want to stay in the moment, don't we? Too fast, yes. So, Zechariah chapter 4. Let's talk about going the distance today. Verse 1, Then the angel of the Lord the angel who talked with me, with Zechariah, returned and awakened me as a man is wakened from his sleep. He asked me, what do you see? I answered, I see a solid gold 
lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lights on it with seven channels to the lights. Also, there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. I asked the angel who talked with me, What are these, my Lord? He answered, Do you not know what these are? No, my Lord, I replied. So he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. And this is what I want us to focus on these next few verses. Not by power, or not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What are you, O mighty mountains? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of God bless it! God bless it! Then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Who despises the day of small things? Men will rejoice when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. The day of small things. Back in the day, in my day, even if you weren't a fan of the NBA, you knew MJ. You knew this man. And MJ could leap off the foul line like a 747 coming off the tarmac. One hand palming the ball, the other hand kind of acting like it's splitting the air, and he glided that many feet from foul line to rim until he came crashing in with a slam. Everybody knew MJ. When I was a kid, somehow we got this VHS tape sent to us. I think it was from ESPN Sports or Sports Illustrated. I don't know where it came from, but it was about the dunk contests of the late 80s. And man, I watched this video over and over and over again. I mean, I can still hear the voices and some of the things that went on in this video, even as a 42-year-old. And it was on that video that I watched MJ in the dunk contests. You know, it seemed like MJ was built for it, right? Kind of like our 6'6 person over here who's built for it. And he's 13. He's just built for it, right? I mean, you would expect MJ to, to go off that foul line, to do the creative, ingenuitive things with the ball. But what amazed me even more than MJ was Spud Webb, man. Spud Webb of the Atlanta Falcons. And if you've never heard of Spud Webb, congratulations. No one really ever heard of Spud Webb either. Because Spud Webb, unlike Michael Jordan, didn't seem built for the game. Why? Because Spud Webb wasn't 6'6". Spud Webb was 5 feet 7 inches. Dude was small. But, when I watched this video... I learned about this dude. 
And in 1985-86 NBA slam dunk contest, it was Spud Webb pitted against the other giants of the game, particularly his teammate, Dominique Wilkins, who was like 6'7", 6'8", another built for the game. But see, the thing is, I think we often in our life underestimate the small. Because, honestly, I don't think we understand the power, the significance, and the wisdom of the small. And it was the finale of this 1985 to 1986 slam dunk contest that it was Spud Webb and Wilkins going head to head. The small against the tall. Both ballers. But it was the small that took it all. He was a baller. He was pitted against giants. Giants! But this man at 5'7", who was underestimated in the game, made it in the game and took the trophy. We underestimate the small. We do it all the time. I mean, Texas is a place where everything's big, right? We all want it now. We want it now. I click a button, in two days, I've got what I want on my doorstep. We want it now. But we underestimate the small. And Spud Webb himself, he wasn't the smallest in the NBA. Just a couple years later, drafted in the first round. First round. 12th overall to the Washington Bullets. Was 5-3. Muggsy Bowes. Don't underestimate the small. Never underestimate the power of the small. The wisdom and significance of the small. There's an obscure passage in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 30. There's a gentleman by the name of Agur. He, like Solomon, was an observer of life of creation, of those things around him. He himself was a self-proclaimed ignorant man who had none of man's understanding. But as he looked around, he saw that the earth had four very small things. Four things on earth are small, yet that are extremely wise. Proverbs chapter 30. And then he lists the four small things. Ants, conies, locusts, and lizards. Now, I had to look up a little bit about ants. He says, ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food for the summer. In fact, ants can carry up to 10 to 50% of their weight. And actually their joints can receive 
and deal with 3,000 times their weight in pressure. Ants are small. But man, they can do gigantic feats. He witnessed the conies. I didn't know what a coney was. I just eat conies at Skyline because I love them. No mustard, but I love them. Pack them in. But that's not what he's talking about. I was a little disappointed when I looked it up. And actually, he said, conies are these little things. They look so cuddly and, and really sweet. Ah! They're not. Ah! Let's go back to the cuddly. There it is. It's cute. And he says, conies, they make their homes in the crags. They're these small little creatures. But there's wisdom in the small because they find that because they're small, they're vulnerable. But yet they make their homes in the toughest of areas. He talks about the locust. Ah, okay, the locust. We're done with that one. They have no king. They have no leader. None amongst them is leader in their ranks. Yet, the locust, if you read the book of Joel, they're described as a massive army. They can ravage a whole countryside or a whole country and leave it wanting. And the people... Hungry because they can go together in unison. Do not underestimate the small. And then there's the lizard, which I thought was a very odd animal to talk about because he says, Well, you can pick up the lizard with your hand. I'm sure you can. I don't want to. I'm good. But it's the lizard that can find its way to places that other human beings cannot it makes his way to the king's palace where anyone that is unwelcomed can lose their life he looked at creation and said do not underestimate the small the power and the significance of the small the lord himself said do not despise Who dares despise the day of small things? I had to look this up in other versions because I really wanted to understand this moment. In the message it says, Does anyone dare despise the the day of small beginnings? I think of us, the day of small beginnings. What is the day of small beginnings? New Year's Day! Because everybody wants to get better. So they make that resolution. I myself despise the New Year's resolution. Because I've never been able to hold to it, right? It is the day of small beginnings. It's the day of small things. Where we all want to set ourselves to be better. Whether it's we're going to quit smoking. Whether it's we're going to quit drinking. Whether it's I'm not going to eat any more corn dogs or coney dogs. Whether it's I want to lose weight or I'm going to start at the gym or I'm going to read the Bible in one year or I'm going to start attending church. I'm going to start doing this or that because I want to better myself. That's the day of small beginnings, but I guarantee you, because I've taken polls on, on 
in the middle of January, right here in this place, and I say, who has kept their New Year's resolution to date? There's probably like three or four of you and a mass group of 100, 110. It's really difficult because you want to get there. You want to be there. I want to lose 50, but i got to start with one. That's a small beginning. See this moment. In Scripture, in Zechariah, we have an obscure passage, but this obscure passage is in a moment of history. It's a moment where we have Israelites that have been in exile for years from the Babylonian juggernaut. Babylon had come in and destroyed Jerusalem and has toppled down not only the city walls and its gates, but also has destroyed Solomon's temple that we read was so magnificently built in Chronicles, the book of Chronicles, that David wanted to build but could not, so his son followed through. It was this moment where the Babylonian juggernaut had come in and destroyed the city, and they deported Israelites and took them to their own land. Now we have an Israelite people who have been displaced and removed from their land, with some still in Jerusalem and some still in the Judean wilderness. But it was some 50 years later, under the rule of the Persians, that the Israelites were able to begin to make their journey homeward. Zerubbabel himself actually took about 50,000 people along with him. He was leading them back to their homeland. The book of Zech- uh, Haggai and Zechariah kind of talk about this moment of arrival. Haggai opens up in chapter 1 where he, he talks about how the people, when they arrived, they immediately started to work on their homes, which makes sense. I would work on my home. I want to make sure that I have a place to live. But after 20 years, the Israelites were living comfortably and have yet to rebuild the temple. The place of worship, the center place of their identity, the place where they connect with God, remained in ruins. It was neglected. You ever walk by things in your house? You're like, I'll pick that up later. Or I'll, I'll throw that away later. For us, it's broccoli in the fridge. After a couple days, it's fine. We'll we'll throw it away. About two or three days later, you start to smell it when you open the fridge. I'll get it. I've got to do this or that. About five days later, that broccoli is seeping through the cracks of your fridge, and you can smell it down in the other rooms, and you're like, you start gagging. It's just nasty. But some of y'all have kids, and you're probably like, oh, I'll just pawn it off on the kids. You're like, can you do that? Can you do uh, yeah, I'll get to it. And then they, they st- like three weeks later, you got like broccoli and mold, and they have become cousins and relatives. It's nasty. We often live our life in a way of neglect. We only pay attention to it in the moment, but kind of often just neglect it. And it just becomes... Our life, we become desensitized to it. We walk by those socks day in and day out, and they're still on the floor. 
put them in the sorry babe I'll do it next time the people of God neglected for 20 years neglected the temple and here we have a word of the Lord from word from the Lord to Zechariah saying Zerubbabel this is the man he's going to begin the rebuilding process and so we have in the scripture where it says, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation. This is the day of small beginnings. You can see the foundation. But there's still a long way to go. And the Lord God said, who dares despise the day of small beginnings? You want it now. But it's going to take time. Don't underestimate the small. There's wisdom in the small. There's power in the small. There's significance in the small. When you think of all the things that Jesus said, He often pointed to the small. He pointed to the mustard seed. In fact, He used seeds as an example for a lot of things that will grow and become larger units. He talked about the kingdom of God being yeast mixed with the flour. The ratio is large for the flour and small for the yeast, but when you work the yeast into the dough, man, that makes it rise. He focused on the small. Think of the the woman in the temple. Jesus sitting across on the other side watching her put two small mites into the treasury. The small. Don't underestimate the power and the significance of the small. For you to go the distance, well, Let me share a story with you. This is a story that only the first half of the 20th century could actually tell. I don't think this story could fit anywhere else in the history of time. It was the race to the bottom of the world. Latitude 90 degrees. South, 45 east. Two men, two expeditions in 1911. Robert Falcon Scott and Roald Amundsen. This is a story that I've shared before, but it's worth telling again because the implications and the lessons are massive. History shows that Scott and Amundsen, they left just a few days from one another. On the journey a 1,400 miles round trip to the South Pole. Who would get there first? History shows that the conditions in at least the first 34 days of the expedition were similar. I mean, it's unrelenting in the South Pole to begin with. Temperatures below zero, 20 below zero, even in summer. Gale force winds, it's tempestuous. Yet, these two men and their expeditions They head and they barrel through. But something happened. One reached the South Pole. 
The other and his crew did not. With all the conditions the same, especially in the first 34 days, 34 days or so. It wasn't the environment. It wasn't the weather conditions. What was the difference between one over the other? Why did one crew make it and the other crew did not? The difference was a divergent of behaviors. There was a difference of behavior between the two leaders. If you don't know the story, Scott did not make it. But it was Amundsen that came out on top, or shall I say, on the bottom. But what was the difference? Well, in fact, there's a journal entry by Amundsen, December 12, 1911, and I'll read that for you. And I've, I've got this story from one of Jim Collins' books, um, Great by Choice. And Amundsen noted in his journal, going and surface as good as ever, weather splendid, calm sunshine. See, at that point, December 11th or 12th, 1911, Amundsen and his crew was 45 miles from the South Pole from coming to victory. They've made about 650 miles journey already. But see, Amundsen had no clue of where Scott was. And Scott, where Scott, where Scott was gnawing in his brain. Where is this guy? In fact, Amundsen could have pushed. 24 hours push, he could have reached the South Pole. In 24 hours. And in fact, at one point in the journey, one of his teammates said, Why don't we do 25? Let's go 25 miles. We need to pick up our pace. We need to go. Where's Scott? Where's Scott? Where's Scott? Where's Scott? 45 miles. You could do it in one day push. And what does Amundsen do? Amundsen takes his crew 17 miles. He only does 17. He could come out on top and have the victory. He could be right there in 24 hours. But Amundsen chose to go 17. So, this was what he did the whole way through. Amundsen chose to do 15 to 20 miles a day. And in fact, when he reached the South Pole... He averaged 15 and a half miles a day. But see, that doesn't tell us the difference. Scott, on the other hand, Scott drove his team to exhaustion on good days. Took him to the brink of death on good days. And on bad days, Scott and his team would sit in the tents and complain and whine about the weather. Look at the comparison between journal entries. In early December, Scott wrote this in his journal after being stopped by a blizzard. He said, I doubt if any party could travel in such weather. Similar weather, Amundsen wrote this. 
It has been an unpleasant day. Storm, drift, frostbite, but we've advanced 13 miles. See, Amundsen understood the power of the small. But see, the power of the small does not happen randomly, on its own. In fact, the power of the small, it's the sum total of the small. It's the sum total of the small steps, the small gains, and small victories, like Amundsen said, right? They went 17 miles when they could have pushed and got 45. When one of his men said, let's go 25, he said, no, we need to sleep and rest. You need to do that. He understood the power of consistently going small because it's the sum total of the small. There is wisdom in the small. And the smalls require self-discipline. That's not something that we want to hear in 2020, especially when we can dial into Amazon and get whatever we want very quickly. We want the quick fix now. We want the fame, we want the dollars, we want the position, all without the work. But the smalls, going the distance means that it's the sum total of the smalls. And it requires self-discipline. Paul said to Timothy, the young one, said, for God did not give us a spirit of fear or a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Back to Zerubbabel. To go the distance, the Lord said, it is not by power nor by might one way or the other, vice versa. But by my spirit, declares the Lord Almighty. If the Lord God did not give us a spirit of fear, but he actually gave us a spirit of self-discipline, that means that all of us within us who have the Lord, our God, the Holy Spirit within us, have the power to have self-discipline. To stand up against the temptations in our life. To shrug off the sin that so easily entangles. To take the steps, the small steps that get us to the large leaps that get us to the goals and the gains and the victories. For Kelly this week and last week it was Matthew who was pinned with his chaplain cross. That happened over a time of 12 years. Many of you are praying for people and you've been praying for people for 12 years and then some. Many of you are wondering, where in the world is the Lord? He's called me to this or that, and I have not seen it. He's wanting you to understand and not underestimate the power of the small. It's the power of the small in your life. It's the power of self-discipline. It's the sum total of all the choices Rory Vaden said, it really is choosing the hard right over the easy wrong consistently. Choosing the hard right over the easy wrong consistently. Character is developed by choice day in and day out. It's choosing not to click on that or watch that or listen to that. It's choosing not to throat punch that person that you really want to. 
or silencing the pastor right now. (laughs) Believer, follower of Jesus, or for those of you that don't believe in Jesus at all, and you are seeking to gain something in your world. Greatness does not happen overnight. The good things in our life don't happen in the moment. The Beatles weren't the Beatles of the Ed Sullivan, Abbey Road fame. They seem to just show up out of nowhere. No. Malcolm Gladwell talks about the law of 10,000 hours. The Beatles were the Beatles well before that as they were working six to seven hours, eight hours a day, six days a week in the grungy bars of, of Britain. For 10 years before they even came across it's self-discipline for you to go the distance you go the distance with the sum total of the smalls it's those simple choices it's small choices it's choosing to pray it's choosing to dive into scripture and actually it's choosing to come to church as the body of Christ once a week let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. We've got to come to the family table and have dinner together, right? At least once a week. And then you need to be with your family and come together and have dinner together through the week. You need to sit at the table with the Lord once a week. Not only here, but daily through the week. It's making those choices that will become character. So for you to go the distance in life, choose the hard right and not the easy wrong. For you to go the distance as a believer in Christ, it's choose the hard right and not the easy wrong. It's the sum total of the smalls. Who dare despise the day of small things? The day of small things, the day of small beginnings, the mountains become level at your feet. Would you please stand? Just bow your head for just a moment. Father, for all of us, standing here, for our little ones that are in our arms, that have a life ahead of them, for our seniors, our seasoned vets, and for everybody in between. God, help us choose character. Help us make the hard choices, the hard rights, and help us be consistent in that. That the spiritual journey, the the walk with you is about the 20-mile march. It's not sitting in the tent complaining about the weather. It's packing up the pack and hitting the trail, even when the weather is horrible. Because it's then that things are shaped, it's then that goals are gained. It's the commitment, it's the self discipline, it's saying what you're going to do and, and doing it. It's stop 
it's, it's about not being on the fence any longer. So Father, empower us by Your Spirit. Because we cannot do this on our own. This is not something that we do on our own. But this is something that has to be done and must be done by Your Spirit. And so I lift up each and every man, woman, and child in this room and myself. That for us to go the distance, we have to be empowered by Your Spirit. Zerubbabel could not build, nor the people of, of God build that temple on their own. The intention must have been pure. It had to have been pure. And Father, these temples, these living temples, they are not built overnight, but over the course of each and every day and each and every choice. May we not underestimate the power and the significance and the wisdom of small things in our life. Father, I love you. I ask that you bless. The- Thank you for listening to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.